Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vinyl Wrestling Place podcast with me, Dapo Aguirre. And my name is Barney Howe. Today I am very excited to welcome to the show one of my good friends from university, Sophie Mortman. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, Sophie, you've been a supporter of the podcast since I first told you about it. I'm really excited to have you on. Would you care to talk to the audience a bit about what you're into, what you're up to these days? What's kind of the soapy vibe that people would expect? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Barnes and Dapo. I am Sophie Mortman. I am the American accent on the podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> so I am in London. I moved here a year and a half ago, and I am just kind of figuring out the music scene here, excited to be going to concerts. Although the truth is, I believe I did get COVID at a Big Thief concert a couple weeks ago. Would you say the concert was worth it? I was Great just question. thinking that. I was just thinking that as I said it out loud, and I would have, <laughs> I would have to say yes. I would just say the Sophie vibe is um, these days, it's how to keep myself sane when I am working from home all the time. And that includes walking dogs for fun. And I'm nice. recently going to try growing things from seeds. Nice. Very work from home. Have you guys ever I done that? that? Have you guys ever done it? I grew a sunflower in lockdown one. And it was like, uh, it was supposed to be, you know, sunflower is famously very big flower. And it got to like the size of my palm over like the three month period. And I don't know what I was doing so wrong, but it was the unhappiest plant I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh no. I am the opposite of the green thumb. I, I can't grow anything. I think even like, you know, in school when you used to put little seeds in plastic cups to, to grow them into like, I don't know, a little, oh yeah, like crest. Like a crest, yeah. My crest mm-hmm. did not exist. It was, it was bad. Bro. I, I, I don't know. Nature just doesn't resonate <laughs> with me. They, they, it really didn't like me. I might well, try it again though. I would beg to differ. I feel like anybody <laughs> can grow a tomato plant. Yeah. I do, be, I do believe yeah. in you. That sounds like a challenge, and I, I, I can step up to it and, and okay, show you. <laughs> I'm happy to share my tomato seeds. I would, I, I would love, I would love the opportunity. To, to, to redeem myself <laughs> and we can we can you know what we can do is we can play at music and see which one grows the most see now that's true this is bordering into science and i'm here for it people are always saying that music like well a positive vibe helps a plant mm. so maybe it's just you depo maybe like your soul by my voice for you play into the room yeah <laughs> <My> <laughs> it dooms the plant to begin with yeah it's uh, not great <laughs> not, not, i honestly not remember though i feel like there is some pseudoscience out there about playing like mozart to your plants i have i remember mm. reading about that in middle school it, it, it's definitely true like it's, it's like this it's like the the, the equivalent of playing your ba- baby something in the womb but yeah, like, and it makes them smarter yeah, if it yeah. isn't like Beethoven before they're born. Yeah, as opposed to like... I'm not sure they can, we can claim that as a fact yet. Stay tuned for Vinyl Resting Plant. <gasps> vinyl Resting Plant! Plants wow. edition. Oh, okay. The crossover. Vinyl Resting oh Plant. Yeah, we need to write it down. That's the fastest we've come up with a spin-off in an episode before. Yeah. We're about minute, minute three. <laughs> Ideas. Left, right, center. Now, you've gotten on something there at the start of your introduction, Sophie, which is I think you are our first international guest, which is very exciting yeah, for us. So you're bringing in a whole, a whole new continent's worth of um, musicality and thoughts and ideas, but 
what we're most interested in always on the podcast is what is your favorite crisp flavor is it something from the u.s is the uk won you over with our delicious potatoey snacks what are you thinking talk us through it this is pretty simple for me let me tell you my international flatmate would agree well the crisp flavor isn't easy but the fact that it isn't a UK flavor is easy. Wow, I personally nah, nah, nah. believe <laughs> that there is a lack of flavor in the crisps and snacks wow. in this country. I'm wow. so sorry. I know. Sophie. First of all, don't want to sound like that pretentious. Everything in America is greater because I 100% don't agree with that. <laughs> However, the crisps are lacking. The crisps are lacking. Sophie, 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 Sophie. That's just a big claim. You know what? For every other snack, I'll say yes. Uh, our chocolate is quite like, even though I enjoy, I'm used to British top chocolate. Our chocolate is not as like flavoursome. Like your oh, it's better than the though. states. It's better than the states. The chocolate Cadbury is way better than Hershey's. Oh yeah, to be really? fair, yeah, hundred percent. Cadbury's bad. Hershey's is trash. Trash. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really passionate. Um, <laughs> but the crisps in the states. Nah, that this really, really what? isn't on the really isn't the same level. You want roast chicken crisps all day long? Is that it? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, if I were to have a favorite UK crisp, it would be cheese and onion. Oh, really? Great, Great. yeah, brilliant, classic. However, Ooh. as disgusting colored and potentially flavored as they are, my heart belongs to Cheetos. I, uh, Oh, what? They're just dead watsits, man. No. <laughs> no what's its taste like? Nothing. No, that's just oh, no. categorically not true. It's a horrible start. <laughs> I'm being dramatic. I do like a, a flaming hot Cheeto, right? But I think <laughs> they are. There's a level of, of overrated that seems to permeate the name Cheeto for me. Like, I understand. I do not blame you for that. To be honest, it's not something that I would pick up and eat like once a week, whereas like mm. I would eat a cheese and onion every day. But I feel like when I'm thinking of a treat, it's the big puffy Cheetos, okay. a big puffy Cheeto. Like that's going to be my favorite at the end of the day. I, I get that. Like I, I can, I can respect, I can that, respect yeah. that. I'm yeah. so glad that we have come to some sort of compromise here. I thought yeah. we were gonna log off, and that was. <laughs> we were very, very <laughs> close to that. Point. I was like, you will not grow one of my tomato plants. <laughs> you, I've already. Oh got, God, I, I was, I was literally searching plant pots on, on Amazon. We're, we're locked in now. <laughs> I have a plant pot for you. Don't worry. Uh, I got these biodegradable ones. I'm, I'm going to have you both over as a thank you. <laughs> This is great. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, I think we've come to a compromise with the food portion of the podcast, which isn't often something that happens, I think. Um, That's true. It's often the, the, by far and away the angriest portion of the podcast <laughs> yeah. is normally here. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, I would be really interested to, to kind of see where your your music taste and your, your vinyl rest in place album sit. Obviously with our international flavour, I think there's a mm-hmm. an element of uh different upbringings and different different like styles of music that we were initially brought into and I'd be really keen to hear what your what your choice is, Sophie. 
Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point because my choice, which is Emotionalism by the Eifert Brothers, I think it's, it is very American and they are quite an American band. I'm not sure how popular they've made it on the, the side of the pond. And they, yeah, they definitely have like a combination of bluegrass, folk, um, there is a bit of like indie in there as well and just singer-songwriter vibe, I would say. Um, but I would almost compare them, I hate to make this comparison, but a lot of people would call them a bit like Mumford and Sons. Same, same kind of, or at least similar voices, I guess, a little bit gravelly, but also like kind of optimistic. And yeah, so Emotionalism is one of, I don't know how many Ava Brothers albums there are, but there are quite a few. So this was maybe their third album. It's a, an album I grew up on. So that means I was 11 when it came out. My sister somehow knew of the Avett Brothers long before anyone knew who the Avett Brothers were. And she went to go see them live at this tiny little venue in New Haven, Connecticut called Toads. And if you look up Toads, lots and lots of important artists kind of got their start there. And I remember when they went to see them, and I'm pretty sure it was their emotionalism tour. I didn't get to go, but my sister got an emotionalism t-shirt, and like I still have that t-shirt, and I'm so proud of it. And it's just a, it's an album that, through the years, has brought on many different meanings to me. I mean, it was there through all different breakups, all different times of my life, good and bad, and I associate a lot of meanings with it. That's amazing. That's so nice. I love like the, we get a lot of different answers to that question because it did such a big one. But like one of my favorites is the kind of like companion album that's been there through like this thing and Thick and Thin and that. And like, especially like, I don't think we've had anyone who can trace a band back to like their near roots, like so perfectly as you have there. That's like a really wonderful personal connection you have to these guys. That's fantastic. It definitely feels that way and they are really meaningful to me and also they're just a lot of fun and if you see them live I think you get to experience how good they are I think some people who I've talked about the Ava Brothers because I've always loved them they're like oh but don't all their songs sound the same and I totally get that critique and also when you see them live god they're just so good I think it, it's a, a, a really interesting choice um i'll be honest i had no idea who they were when um barney mentioned the album to me um and i didn't know you were american when i first when i, when I first listened to the album so i was like how the hell has, <laughs> has this girl found this album out um and i think it's it's one of those things that um I, I often don't realise like we talk so much about breaking the, the US over here mm. as like a as a mark of, of making it. But then mm -hmm. the US market is, is so big in itself that there are so many like super successful, super talented artists who just stay in that space and, and don't necessarily permeate that, that much further um and, and, and break barriers in, in other spaces or other nations and they, they don't have to and, like I, I know, see, I'm not a fan of Mumford & Sons, and I feel like calling them Mumford & Sons might be a bit of an insult. I totally agree. <laughs> I, I think um, there's, a, there's a lot wider 
scope to this album just in terms of the the musicality of it it's not yeah it, it's not samey like you were saying it's it's not just sort of classic folk or, or, or classic um bluegrass or it, it, they, they just sort of play what they want it seems like which i think is um uh, a, a really nice way to be one thing that i maybe wanted to delve into a little bit more you, you mentioned there like it came from your sister's knowledge of, of the album i think a lot of people come on and say oh this was the album that my parents listened to every day in the car when i was going to school blah blah blah, blah. um we never really have people who connect an album to a sibling and um kind of take that taste like is, is it closeness in the relationship older younger how, how did that that come about for you really yeah i think it's a it's an interesting point because i think a lot of my music taste has come from my sister she's five years older than me and always was an inspiration musically she but really also she introduced and played just a complete breath like so much i mean from angsty like pixies and all all of that like grunge to really just cutesy little folk indie groups to rock and roll and she loved loves the doors loves the beatles bob dylan uh, which of course we get a lot of that from my dad as well. But I think what is amazing about the Avett brothers is she introduced them to my whole family. And uh, my parents are pretty like really into their classic rock. And I feel like sometimes it's hard to break that mold and then listen to more contemporary artists. But the Avett brothers, they have a bit of like a Beatles-esque pop going on at the same time that they have like some country folk roots, which is... Um, you know, the Carolinas, where they're from, which they sing about. So my sister is a, she's actually a professional musician now, and she's a bass player. And I think I've always, yeah, I've always looked up to her, but I think she has an amazing taste and open mind when listening to music. And this album was 100% like from her. I'm not even sure how she discovered them. I should probably yeah. ask. Uh, however, yeah, she's, she's, it's always been like Maya, her surname's Maya. And I have like, I literally have her old emotionalism band shirt that she got at their emotionalism concert. So yeah, that's never going away. It's it's funny because my mum has terrible music taste, so I just yeah, uh, can't no, relate. Uh, <laughs> can't relate at all. No, I'm joking. He might listen to this. He doesn't. Uh, um, but it, it, it's interesting. Like, it, it's it's such a a nice thing to be able to share that. Um, like, mm. I, I I guess, but I think as much as me and my brother have things in common, like I've never see he's never really passed down music in the same way it's more like we collaborate on things mm. collaborate is a strong word but we we find things go off our separate ways and find out if we like it or not and then come back and have a little discussion like it's never uh, a thought out thing in that, that that sort of way and i think it's a really like, lovely way to one like bond with your sibling but also discover more about different different music 
tastes and out there and the different artists as well. Yeah, mm, I agree. I also was just thinking that our rooms were just right next to each other. So honestly, part of it was just like when I speak about these things and I have the memories in my head, it's thinking of my of Maya like on her bed playing her Ben Folds and me just kind of being like, oh, okay, I, I like this guy's voice. It's very nice that um, there's such like a sibling message at the core of it for you because as a band, it's two brothers and a friend, which is really nice. And you kind of get like, I think a homely feel within the music itself. Like it is very pastiche. You've got from folky country to like orchestra pop to Beatles pop, there's blues in there for sure. And I'm a big fan. We talk a lot, Dapo and I, about uh, music that makes you feel good, music that makes you happy is good music. And I think it's doubly so when the band or performer is doing whatever makes them happy. And that's most often the case in these things where they think, oh, well, I like rock pop, but I also like this. Why don't we put them together and see what happens? And it often creates like a much more gritty, much more interesting, like, listen to. And it's rarely as polished as like, if you just say, I want to make a pop album. But it's always a more interesting thing to listen to, in my opinion. And I think emotionalism is a great example of that because there's so much going on in this album. It's really, like, it does... I understand, like, you said some people criticise it that all the songs can sound the same at points and, like, there is a, a vibe. But, like, you know, on the second or third listen to a few of these tunes, I go, oh, well, that's actually very different to what's happened in that previous one and that's definitely come from something else, which is really great. It, it, it's a treat I didn't expect to have while listening to this album. Yeah, I find it's funny. The reason I made that Mumford & Son comparison is because I think Mumford & Sons, all their songs sound the same. Sorry, Mumford & Sons. I've heard people compare the Avery Brothers to them in that way, but I, I, I think from the beginning, they were very experimental. They were making music for themselves. They weren't making music to be hits. And that's why those first few albums, people may, maybe aren't, they're not on the top hits. They're not the songs people know as well. Um, and actually, Emotionalism was that album that really finally got a big producer on them and then their next album i am loving you was the one that most people know i think that has laundry room i know i'm, I'm getting off topic because i just know too much about the avid brothers but <laughs> i think emotionalism is kind of like that turning point in their career and you see as time goes on how it becomes maybe there's a few more bit of like pop in there or maybe it, it's even more like um the production is just a bit cleaner or a bit just more more a bit more produced um but emotionalism for me it it hands down is my favorite Avery Brothers album because it feels very cohesive it feels like one thing I, I I'm so glad Barnes that you noticed that like to me all the songs are completely separate entities and they're all saying different things and they're all asking you to feel different things and you go on this emotional journey with the singers um as they feel and as they express their insecurities very openly and as they also kind of express their arrogance at the same time mm. with like a combination of different feelings behind it. I, I am inclined to agree with you. I, I feel like the variety in each different song is, is quite stark, like from the first listen, even though it is, like you say, one cohesive body of work, each song is drawing at a different emotion. Each song s sounds a little bit different. Each song, like, evokes a different sentiment from the listener, and then, like, I think forces you to 
be aware of that, especially, I think, coming in from the, the first like, three or four songs of the album. They are almost pulling you in a direction where you feel like it's going to be quite a dark, somber, mellow tone, and out of nowhere, everything becomes quite up, upbeat again, and, and it, it changes up quite a lot, and um, I think that, that element of not really knowing what's coming next and, and just sort of sitting back and enjoying the ride makes it a really interesting listen and, and a really like, exciting piece of music to experience. I would have loved to be in your brain while you were listening for the first time because I feel like when you have all these <laughs> like memories attached to something, you don't you don't really know like mm. what is this music anymore. You don't really. Mm. I'd love to know what it's you know. Obviously, yeah. explaining it and it's really cool to hear, but you don't really remember anymore what what it sounds like or yeah. what it feels like to just have no layers and layers of things attached to them. It, it, it's, it's that feeling like oh, I, I wish I could listen to that album first time again listen, wish I could w- watch that film without knowing the ending and, um, you want to fall in love all over again exactly with it, yeah. 100% 100% favorite song on your favorite Abbott Brothers album is Sophie. So in typical Sophie fashion, which is aka the most indecisive person ever, I'm going to have to give you a long-winded answer on my favorite song, as I think I'll take you on a journey of what my favorite songs first were and how they have morphed. Okay. So if you asked me 10 years ago, if you asked me 10 years ago, 100% 100% it would have been Die, Die, Die. That was the song. I feel like it is very catchy. It feels like it's got a really good hook. And that was just like the one that we played in the car all the time. And even though, of course, it's called Die, 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 it still kind of has this upbeat thing going on with it. So I kind of didn't realize at the time that it was like quite um, maybe not positive. I was just like, yeah, this sounds fun. <laughs> and then I think like maybe angsty high school teenage Sophie like I loved and I still do of course but paranoia and B major I think like I think like that was still I was still like working out like oh I feel anxiety and how do I deal with it and paranoia in B major a lot of it is like as the name suggests like feeling like people are judging you or looking at you or watching you in a certain way. I think I just loved listening to it and relating to it, even though it's about, um, I honestly can't even remember entirely, but it's about this man who feels uncomfortable where he is. It depends on the day, but I think it's terrible. It's terrible. I'm so sorry. It's no. Everyone is the same. Everyone's like, how could you even ask this question? Well, it's, it's so horrible of you. <laughs> I think the the best part about having a relationship with like a relationship with an album for so long is that you realize, oh, this song was on the album the whole time, and I didn't even know. A few songs over the years have completely just. I've been like, oh, I didn't even realize you were on here the whole time, even though I've listened to it endlessly. Um, I think some songs you just kind of pass over. And in the past few years, Living of Love has really been one of one of my favorites. And I think it's one I've been drawn to a lot. Probably it's not um, 
it's not remiss that it has been a rough few years for everyone. And I think mm-hmm. this song, Living of Love, kind of encapsulates something in the album that I really appreciate, which is that happy and sad can exist at the same time. I mean, it, the, the, main, the main lines say, um, yes, we live uncertainty and disappointments have to be and every day we might be facing more. But the, the chorus is just, say love, say for me love, say love, say for me love. And I think it's just, at the end of the day, if you can try to find any semblance of whatever that love is, it, it's, it's just like what there is to hold on to. And I know that sounds like that is loaded and that can be, that can come off maybe as cheesy. And, the tr- and interestingly, when I was thinking about emotionalism, I went back and I read the original 2007 reviews of emotionalism. And one of the reviewers really stuck into my head because they were saying, full of like cliches, full of these things, um, all these words, all these lyrics. And I think it can it can come off that way, I guess, but it feels really genuine when they sing it. I think that's that's such a lovely one to have chosen. I totally agree. I think cliches are often frowned upon as being seen as like, oh, you know, everyone's already said that. But the reason like they become cliches is because they are like thoughts that people share and sayings that are so, you know, universal or images that are so applicable to everyday situations that they have that relatability and that means that they have a communicatable value and that means they're perfect for songs like this like if you're trying to communicate what is ultimately quite like a simple message but one that's very difficult to describe that in you know beauty there is sadness and in sadness there is beauty and those things are you know universally and will always be interlinked going back to those cliches and like trying to sing them or explain them in different ways and with like again like this quite pastiche way they've gone about their music style I think it, it marries up very nicely. It's a really, a really nice choice. It's not, yeah, like I think it, it's, it's one of the, it's a song you would only pick had you loved the album for as long as you have, because it's not one of like the immediate bangers. It's one of the more bluesy ones on the album. It's like not one of the more accessible songs, but it is a really beautiful one. It's a really, really nice choice. What he said. I guess I'm just going to jump into my favorite. So I I am always like a music person. Like I, I if a song sounds good, um I would be like, okay, this this is my favourite song. But for me this the, the lyricism in this album is something that I very, very rarely experience. Um it's like it's like reading a play and being like, oh, that character is me like I, I, I get that um and I think this speaks to something we talk about a lot in, in in the podcast and me and Barney are big believers in the the situational nature of music and the time mm. you find music is, is really, really important and this album just happened to have found me deep in the depths of a existential crisis well I'm not really sure <laughs> where I'm going whether I'm coming or going and, and paranoia in in in, in B flat major was I was sat on the train, like, Christ, my heart. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's it's just written in a way that is, it, it's one of those annoying things that happen in life where 
you 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 see a piece of art or you listen to a a, a song or read a book and someone's taken everything that you're thinking and wrapped yeah. it up in a nice neat little bow and it makes a lot of sense um, and, and and i like this is not necessarily my genre of, of music but paranoia and b flat went straight into my chill playlist mm. like without a doubt and it, it it's not just like the reson- resonance of the of the of the, the lyrics it is also a delightful song like it's a beautiful listen and sometimes you almost forget kind of like you were saying you forget the heaviness of the lyrics sometimes because you're just listening to the lovely melody in the background and you, you just sort of melt into it it's it's a great great piece of music stunning to me i'm so I, i'm honestly pleased that i found the song that makes me so happy because i i mean that has always been like year after year like something i go to for for similar i mean i existential crisis can it last forever or is it time <laughs> who knows for all my existential crises there's something about it that i compl- it's so cathartic and it's but it's mm. also gorgeous i think it's absolutely gorgeous um and i love how they they play with bringing the b flat in i mean they are musicians and they yeah. love to they love to you know to slip those fun little um little things in yeah they definitely know, know their craft so well I feel a bit boring now. I've, I'm I'm in the 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 same peak between my existential crises, so I didn't have that <laughs> the connection. Good for you. Good um, for you. I'm proud of you. Thank bro. you. I love that for you. It's a new it's a new step for me. <laughs> um, I thought Dapo and I were going to marry up very nicely there, but I'm actually going for the pretty girl from San Diego. Oh, I just found it. I don't know. I've I've recently become into like like a love of like more central european music and like specifically there's like the spanish kind of twang that um is in spanish music and i think a lot of that is very present in the pretty girl from san diego it's just a really nice sounding song and i've often like depo said earlier he's the music guy i'm the lyrics guy but (laughs) we've really shot places here because i heard this and i was like that's just really nice that's just a really nice sound and I, I know that sounds like a really flat reason to put it as my top choice, no. but I just, yeah, I loved it. I was like, my ears are having a good time here. This is, yeah, again, straight on my playlist as well. And I, yeah, had a really good time with it. So the Pretty Girl from San Diego is my number one pick. It's, it's, a, it's, a, great, it's, a, it's a great choice, I think. Yeah, it's just really nice. <laughs> I think it goes to show all the different types of songs that are on there. I mean, that one's like so You're different. So right. yeah. That one's like... Yeah. Tell it, tell it. Like, I just want to dance. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Weight of Lies is like, oh, I'm just going to cry by the window. <laughs> just going to cry. That, that was a heavy thing. It was like fourth on the track yeah. list. And I was like, man, we need a, an upbeat one after this. <laughs> I was on the heavy. train, brink of tears. I was like, oh, God. Because <laughs> that was after Paranoia and being <laughs> before. It's just after. I was, I was, He's on the floor I, in the aisle. <laughs> People asking me, are you okay on the train? No. <laughs> <laughs> quite nicely onto whether this is good music or yeah. not. Yeah, I'm killing it today. Yeah. Can I say? So Sophie, yeah, would you say, obviously this is a very special album to you, it's your vinyl resting place album. Do you think Emotionalism is a good album 
or is it just one you love? Yeah, so I think this is kind of why I was so interested in hearing Dapo talk about his first listen because when you know when you know an album so long, it's hard to even like find that line between is and it's like is something good just because you love it? And of course, yeah. not to deconstruct that question, but you know it's so hard. What is good music, right? Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think as we've talked about already, I think it's, it's, it doesn't fall into a single genre, and I like that personally. I think it experiments, it breaks boundaries in the confines still of its, you know, like folksy, American, bluesy, rocks. I mean, I guess that's not really confines, is it? <laughs> um, but... I think, well, I personally, I, I, I think I have the benefit of seeing them live, so that's maybe cheating, but they are so unbelievably talented. When you hear them sing, I mean, it's, you, you would never, ever, ever hear a wrong note. And the harmonies, I think what we haven't really gotten to talk about a lot, which is what has drawn me to the Abbott Brothers and to this album, is the harmonies. I mean, they are so good at harmonizing. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. You can't tell the difference between their voices until you see them live, at least for me. And then you finally recognize, oh, Seth has the higher pitched, a little more wispy voice. He doesn't, he's not as much of the front man in a lot of the songs. And then Scott, like, but I can only talk about this because I've seen them live enough to like be able to recognize their faces <laughs> with their songs. Yeah. You don't need to know the difference because it's just one voice at the end of the day when you listen and the harmonies it gives it this level of like, it's not, it's intimate. And yet there's, it feels like there's 300 people in the room because the, sometimes the orchestra is so full, the orchestration, but sometimes it feels like they're whispering right in your ear. So I personally, I mean, I do believe they're very talented. I think um, it's amazing how they've brought on, you know, a violinist who is so cool. And they... They, at least, at least here, I think they're really, they're not interested in just putting hits out to make money. I think they really are just creating music for themselves. That's my answer. That's beautiful. Honestly, that was, yeah, really nice. So that thing you said about it being intimate, but also like in a room with 300 people, I totally get that. And you're so right on the harmonies. Like I was listening to this and I was thinking at the time, like, the only two other bands I think you get this level of precision from is like Peak Beach Boys and Haim, which are both also family bands. And I think it, it comes from that, like, you know, singing together since you were zero years old. It, 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 that's my theory that it's it must be. But these guys yeah. are at that level. Um, I, I, will, I will happily accept that this could be someone's final resting place album. I think it's a fantastic album. Um, it's different, it's interesting, it's rough around the edges, but like if you give it the time and like, you know, polish that gem, then it really does shine. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll happily say, yeah, good album, good album. And I would love to see them live one day too. They, I, from what you're saying, that's even better than the album. So they yeah, are. definitely sounds, if they do a UK tour, then I will be checking them out. 100%, you'll be taking me. You'll be... Yeah, I, I'm... you'll, be, day. Cr you'll be crying paranoid be on the ground. I'll be Boys struggling. Day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I'm. I, I was gonna like play the whole Ooh, tension. Or does he think it's good or bad? But I can't even. I can't even. 
like question it. It is a very, very good album. And I think one of the things that is is great about like doing this and making the podcast is just broadening her, our horizons as, as um, like music lovers, listeners, practitioners, for want of a better word. Um, because this is something that I would never, ever have discovered. Like, it just wouldn't have crossed my discover pages or something you might like or, or whatever. It's, it's just too far outside of my comfort zone. It's just stunning. Like, it's just an unbelievable album. Um, I have some notes. <laughs> I have some notes. Uh, first thing I wrote is they should write a musical. They would write the most incredible musical ever. And I think that what you're saying about the, the intimate nature of the music, the blending it with being also like this big dramatic piece, just kind of strings everything together for me. And I think that along with the storytelling prowess that they have in their songwriting. I don't know what it would be about, but I'd watch it. Um, and then I th the second thing was, it's just musicians' music. Like, it's just so crisp and clean at every point. Like, there's just no point in time where you're like, oh, this falls down, or oh, it was, this just felt a little bit dull, or, or, or just hit the, didn't hit the mark for me. It's just... Uh, it's just top tier that like you can tell that they're obviously incredibly talented human beings and they put the work in to make this what they wanted it to be. Um, yeah, really impressed. Love it. I'm so glad. Wow. Look at that. Yeah, three yeses. <laughs> Very nice. Really, I don't, this doesn't happen often. Really? It really doesn't. It's, it's rarer than you'd think. Yeah, it, often one of us will just say, meh. But, um, especially when yeah. it's, new stuff to us because me and Barney mm. genuinely just perpetuate our own music taste on this podcast and that's what we do yeah <laughs> this is very up my street but I, I, after the first song I, I thought like oh this is not Depo <laughs> but it, it's fantastic that you enjoyed it so much yeah. I really didn't think you would but I'm really glad you agree yeah Unreal. I think yeah I was just gonna say they're they're I would love you know for you guys to check out their other stuff because there's so much oh, out there as as you saw and I have many more opinions on their later albums because I that's why I just went for emotionalism will always be like the Avery Brothers wrapped up in a bow for me yeah. but other other big Avery brand other big Avery Brother fans who knows mm. we might have to do a round two of this we might have to do we might have to do oh we could do a vinyl countdown of the Avery Brothers Oh, oh, that'd be great. oh, great! I would agree. We need to do some research first. Yeah, yeah. That's a very potential. Oh, we could was... get them on there. Hey, Seth and Scott, come oh, here. Honestly, <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, Seth and Scott, I might cry, but, but let's let's do it. <laughs> They're not going to listen to this. <laughs> other albums they've done that you enjoy is there also any other albums any other artists or any other albums from these guys in particular that you considered putting as your vinyl resting place choice can you give us any other suggestions of places and things people might enjoy listening to yeah absolutely. ones that you thought about talking about 
Absolutely. I think emotionalism wasn't even my first, it wasn't like the first place my mind went to. Um, yeah, I, ha I have like a lot of different, so many different albums that have in all types of different um, parts of my life that I've just, you know, obsessed over. Uh, the first or one of the first ones that I thought about doing was it's called Odyssey and Oracle by the Zombies. And I think I told you to listen to it, Barnes. This was, yeah, back when I was doing my album reviews, you put this one forward for it and I did it and I really enjoyed it. And I assumed from the get-go you would be doing Odyssey and Oracle, which is a fantastic, like, early US rock album. Sorry, I'm stealing your line. Like, you talk about it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm so happy for you too. Uh, I think it's because... This, this question, I feel like we're, we live in a day and age where people listen to songs more than they listen to albums. So I really was thinking, mm. okay, what are the albums that I would just have sat down and had like a full-on obsession with the story or obsession with the album as a whole, as its own structure? And Odyssey and Oracle was one of them just because I discovered the album later it, like in, when I was in university and I just absolutely fell in love with it in many ways. I could go on, but I'm just going to stop there. And then <laughs> <laughs> another one I thought of, which I also think has a fantastic story and is just a great album I've spent a lot of time with is Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. I think okay. that is just talk about like a heart-wrenching full circle kind mm. of like breakup love Um uh, album and yeah uh, I, I really love Freudian by Daniel Caesar I like uh, I have listened to Freudian on repeat so many times and I really thought this has got to be it because my entire senior year undergrad Freudian I tried to learn so many of the songs gorgeous album just yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like you might feel the same way Daffo uh, yeah, did, was it, did I give it away? <laughs> I just heard some little. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Ooh, ah, uh, I, I had a legitimate heart attack. Um, I, I I have unbelievable amounts of um, love and superlatives for that album. I just think that I'm I'm, I'm I'm I have this thing not against, but I'm, I'm I always. I'm a bit harsher on male vocalists, rightly or wrongly mm. so. Like I, just, I just think it's it, there are so many more stunning female vocals out there. And mm. I remember, I just think, I remember watching Daniel Caesar perform, like, Get You and Best Part live on some show um, late night. And I was like, you are my, you might be the best thing I've ever heard in my life. And he's just so effortless. And the album from start to finish is stunning. It's stunning. Mm. Great choice. His Great range, choice. unbelievable. Trying Un to sing through his songs, it's like, what the heck is this <laughs> It's mad. It's, it's insane. Mad. It's Genuinely, mad. it's like, I'm going to start as low as possible. And then it's like, I just can't, I just can't hit the high notes. <laughs> Not a chance. I know it's like, the cliche popular one but i best part is oh, it's such a, a wonderfully yeah, romantic yeah, yeah. song it's it's one of my top love songs and yeah. i'm such a sucker for a love song but yeah it, it's everything i wish i could have thought to say yeah. you know like it's it's so nice i think an underrated song on that album hold me down 
there's like oh, a yeah. little floaty bit at the end of it, like like a tinkly oh piano. Oh, it's just it's. It's just really heartwarming. I, I, I do love that album. Mm. I do love that And then album. the one after that, New Roses with the harmony. Oh. It's like... It's so good. So good. Do you mm. sing? Are you a singer? I attempt. I can tell. <laughs> I, I, he I is. Attempt. He's good. I He's can good. tell. I can um, tell. Based on the way you're talking about the vocals. Yeah. I also attempt. I attempt as well. I need to get back into attempting more. I I, agree. I I'm on the same page. I, I need to attempt <laughs> a lot more. But uh, I just again, it's what we were saying. I think we were saying it before we started recording. It's just no time. Yeah. No time. It's very nice to have a little shout out to Bob Dylan as well. Yeah. He's he's featured on a couple of people's. Um, I've thought about this recommendation sections. He has never made the top choice yet. <laughs> But I think one day we're going to have a Bob Dylan. It's the one trophy missing. It's his one accolade that he's missing. He's never been a vinyl resting place. He hasn't quite hit the vinyl resting place, Joyce. But really nice. And Blood on the Tracks is a fantastic album in general. Um, Yeah, that and Blonde on Blonde, I think, are are my top two for sure. So, big fan of that. Um, And then, I mean, I was just going to say, I really love, I mean, I just love, like, alternative and indie female vocalists a lot like i'm a huge mitski fan so be the cowboy was one of the other ones and that's probably because it was one i listened to a lot pre and then like as pandemic hit so it kind of just like i was i think a lot of people were singing nobody when they were my god i'm so lonely (laughs) the first few first few words of of that song Um, but just a sprinkle of negativity into what has been such a lovely episode so far. Um, what is your guilty listening? You know, what, what are you, what are you putting on in secret in the corner? You don't want to hear it in your deepest, darkest playlists. What are you ashamed to be listening to? Oh, well, I think something that I've reckoned with is the fact that I am, I am a big Taylor Swift fan and that is very contentious. It is extremely contentious, and I, for a few years, was like, nah, nope, what is this, what is this Reputation album, what is this, it's so bad, Um, Mm. but honestly, like, it's one of those things where I remember the moment where I heard Taylor Swift's name, I was on the back of my, my school bus going to ski club, and this girl was like, oh, there's this new artist. Her name's Taylor Swift. She has this hit, Teardrops on My Guitar, and then boom, I was hooked. American Girl hooked on Taylor That's Swift. That's so nice. Yeah, it's, it's honestly really <laughs> weird to remember the moment that I remember, like, that I was obsessed with her. And then, like, so all of her albums, I could just go off about it, each one. And then 1989 was, like, everybody was, like, whoa, Taylor Swift can make some pop. That is an album. That Everyone was, so like, whoa, Taylor fun. Swift can make some pop. And then, boom drop off like what came after 1989 I was not into it I was like oof and also like her mm. fan club the the fan club and like all the models I I think there was like a lot of unfortunate and controversial mm. um m- media around her mm. and I think yeah it's it, it totally affected her and I kind of I had a love-hate relationship with that and then I was like 
okay, I, I also judged her. And um, anyway, and of course then folklore and I'm back. And I'm back. Yeah, she's definitely, it was, it was a dream. I think you've perfectly chronicled her career because there was, she got so much love from 1989. I, that was one of the, the first album I bought for my car was Red. Um, and then I got 1989. Well, my brother got that shortly after and I burned a copy. Uh, so I had that as well. And then Reputation came out and I stopped listening to both of those CDs. So I was like, I don't like this person anymore. Yeah, Reputation but yeah, no, like, so with, upsetting. Personally. It was just not the level of quality we've come to expect. But like Folklore and Evermore, you know, two brilliant modern albums. Really, really fantastic stuff. So yeah, I, I will respect that as a an artist that it's it's sometimes difficult to see all the shining yeah. spots in their career yeah. I do, uh, with a bit of a black hole. I do have a, a Taylor Swift story. And it probably set us off on a bad foot. Like, I can't remember what year it was. Whenever Love's Story came out as a single, I was I was I was I was Banging. relatively young. I was flying from London to I want to say Puerto Rico. <laughs> Good, love it. Um, um, I think Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. so like eight hour flight, give or take. Um, and this was back in the days where there were just not many like entertainment devices on planes or like handheld devices and whatnot. So I was just listening to the radio. It was top 20 uh, in the Billboard charts. Taylor Swift, Love Story was number one. And they would play it as number one. Then they would play it in between number six and five. And they would play it again every hour. (laughs) So for eight hours, I must have heard that song about like 40 times. (laughs) I knew (laughs) I got off the plane subconsciously knowing all the words and now that for, since then I was like you know what I can't I can't listen to it to be honest if, if you if you put me to the test I could probably still do a mean love story like I, I, I do oh know I could still I could still smash it out um, <laughs> but I think we'd uh, love to hear what songs as a fellow attempting singer you would like to uh, belt out on a karaoke sofa oh yeah, yeah. So, I know a lot of people say Dancing Queen by ABBA, but Dancing Queen by ABBA is just always, always the way to go. Strong. And then I'm going to give another one because, of course, as I said, I'm indecisive. (laughs) Um, We got to have some Oasis because... Oh, lovely show. Oh, but of course, like, everybody loves... Everybody loves some Oasis, right? Wonderwall. Oh, yeah, that's a crowd, yeah. crowd, crowd pleasing yeah, duo. People are joining in with Wonderwall. Abba followed by Wonderwall. You've got a whole pub on their feet. And then I'm ready to make everyone cry with my best friend, who's also named Sophie, and we're gonna sing Landslide, and we're gonna do some, some harmonies, and Ooh. just cry. That's oh. really the way to end it. What did, what did eclectic set? Where, as most as, as much emotional and like genre variation is the Epler Brothers like yeah. you're really mirroring emotionalism there Honestly, I love that you. Full you. Circle. Try to that's what we do in this show full circle <laughs> <laughs> that's a great show um, Sophie you've been an absolutely fantastic guest we've loved having you on the show you've been such good fun you've given us a brilliant album and some brilliant suggestions as well uh, thank you so much 
Thank you for having me. I think the only, the only question marks now are the snacks, really. Um, yeah. You'll have you, to, you'll have to yeah. give me some You redeemed yourself. You really did redeem yourself. <laughs> you, 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 were, you were on thin ice for a little while. What's its oh, taste like? God. Nothing was a was a, a pretty contentious statement. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, the, the collapse of a potential friendship <laughs> yeah. before my eyes. But I, I think you guys have redeemed yeah. it. I'm, I'm very glad. I've got so a happy glad ending. Too. Thank you so much. But really, much. thank you. I loved hearing both of your thoughts on the album. I think it's really wonderful to hear new thoughts on something that you know you've heard over and over again. And everything you've mm. said has been really, really interesting. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. We we so rarely get told that we've actually benefited someone with our yeah. meaningless rambling. <laughs> yeah, we never get confidence. No, really appreciate it. Well, thank they say Americans um, are friendly, right? Yeah. There you go. We have more American guests next. I think that's the way to go forward. <laughs> yeah. And uh, thank you to you, all of our listeners, for tuning in again. You can catch us uh, on the podcast, obviously, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get it, and also see us live on Voices Radio. Uh, if you follow our social media, as you know, we're going to be on there. Uh, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. My boss randomly brought like a bunch of Jolly Ranches into the office, just for the sake of it. And they are arguably, like, outside the crisp world, my favorite snack they are really? unbelievable banging banging sorry the jolliest of <laughs> we, they, they're still at my desk now i can i, I can oh my god i can, it. Um, <laughs> I can almost taste i it. can almost taste the sour ball in the middle sorry i digress <laughs> I, I do digress great i'm Christmas happy for you i'm happy for you <laughs> thank mm. you thank you